Welcome to Elan Restoration Fellowship, where Jesus is King, Hamelech, Lord, Hashem, and Messiah, Mashiach. And now, Pastor and Rabbi, Billy Elias. Hey guys, um, so for today's podcast, we are definitely going to continue with the um, mysteries behind Passover. And today we're going to be talking about Bethlehem, right? Bethlehem. Um, and instead of uh, just re-recording something, I'm, I'm going to use a sermon that I preached at a church uh, about a year and a half ago. And it's really going to break down everything as far as why Bethlehem is so important to the Passover story, not the Christmas story. Why did God decide to show himself to angels in the field or with angels to shepherds? Why Bethlehem? You're going to be surprised at a, a lot of things that we're going to talk about. So I'm going to start in a kind of a, a strange place. Um, so we're going to go to, uh, we're going to start with our good friend Paul, Shaul, his Hebrew name. And it's 1 Corinthians 15, 46. This is important for you to understand. If you have your Bibles, then you're going to want to follow along. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. So we have to understand that the natural has to occur before the spiritual happens. I'm starting this with the words of Paul to lay a foundation for what we're about to talk about. So I'm about to present something to you that is going to, like I said, it, it may take you off guard and I'm a bit trepidatious because I don't want to offend anybody. But in the end, you know, that's, there's nothing I can really do about that. So let's go to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start and go through verses 4 through 12 very quickly. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Enter my, my buddy Linus. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood there, stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which was be all people. For today, in the city of David, there is born for you a Savior, Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Manger. Okay. So, as we look at that, there's some key things right away, because I was a cop, so I look for things and say, why? I'm always about why, 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 why? So the first thing I asked is, why Bethlehem? Now, the prophet Micah, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, tells us that Bethlehem is nothing. It's a little insignificant blot on the map of Israel. There's nothing that happens there. Nothing, there's just nothing. Its claim to fame was that it was the birthplace of King David. That's it. Well, Bethlehem is, is nothing. So why would God choose Bethlehem? So why this place called Bethlehem? Well, it comes to, we have to study. Bethlehem was a region in Judea. Bethlehem 
is a very fertile area. It has very flat lands. It was the place where shepherds would bring their sheep. So it was really the place for shepherds to raise their flocks. Now, when the Mishnah, which is, was written just after the Babylonian exile by the scribes and the Pharisees, um, after they were exiled, and, and like I said, into Babylon, you get Nebuchadnezzar, you get all of that nonsense and all that, you know, Veggie Tales does that whole thing with Nebuchadnezzar, that's kind of what, you know, it's cute, you know. Um, but, um, so you get all of that, so they have to write a book to keep their traditions and what they've learned and how they've been able to overcome, and they were able to keep this because they needed to keep tradition alive because at that time, coming out of captivity, the Jews were, were um, they were, um, uh, illiterate because the, the Babylonians would not allow them to practice or read it. So when they found Torah in the, the restoration of the temple in Jerusalem, it was like a huge thing. Okay, so the Mishnah was read. So from about 2,000 years before the birth of Messiah, the priests had designated Bethlehem as a region to raise sheep. But there was a specific kind of flock that was to be raised there. And that flock was for the sacrificial lamb that would be brought to Jerusalem and then be sacrificed on Passover. And we're going to take it now a little one step further. Now you know that any sacrifice that was brought to Jerusalem four days before Passover, it had to be brought the center of Jerusalem, and everybody could have the opportunity to inspect that lamb. Everybody had the opportunity to come and see if there was a blemish on that lamb. And you know who had to represent that that lamb was blemishless? Not the rabbis, not the priests, not the high priest, not the, Ko the Kohanim, which is the priesthood, the shepherd. Because the shepherd's job was to be there when that sheep was born to watch how it was born, to watch after that sheep, make sure nothing would hurt it, that it never got sick, that it never was injured, that it was never around anything impure. So when the rabbis came to choose the, the, the Passover lamb, the very middle verse in Torah, which is the, uh, the books of Moses, by the way, is they sought diligently for the scapegoat. So at this point, what's happening is the rabbis are coming and they're seeking diligently for the scapegoat or the lamb that's going to be used on Passover. So it has to be blemishless. And it happens in one year. So what happens with that lamb? It's born in Bethlehem and it dies in Jerusalem. Does that sound familiar to anybody? The Messiah is born in Bethlehem, but he dies in Jerusalem. I seem to remember a prophet. Yohanan the Immerser, you call him John the Baptist, saying, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. Understand what he was saying. He, the rabbis knew what he meant. He knew that the Lamb of God could only come from Bethlehem because that's the only place that the priests and the rabbis would go to choose that sacrifice. So now when John says he's just not making it up, this is what we don't understand. He doesn't make anything up. Everything has to happen in the natural first before it happens in the spiritual. So the birth of the lamb has to happen in the natural first before it happens in the spiritual. So the natural born lamb 
which is the actual lamb itself, is born. It's watched by a shepherd. It's raised. It goes to Jerusalem, and it dies as a sacrifice, as a blemishless lamb, to atone for our sins. It can't cover our sins. It can only atone for it. But here comes the Messiah. This is where it goes to the spiritual. He's born in Bethlehem. He goes to Jerusalem. He's crucified, but he's crucified in the place. He didn't become sin. He became the ultimate sin replacement. There's a big difference. If he became sin on the cross, then he was unpure and he could not be the sacrificial lamb. So what does he do? He goes to Jerusalem and he dies in our stead. He is the great lamb of God. Now, this is gonna, I know this is going to upset people. The region or the time. I know we love December 25th. I get it. Well, understand why December 25th was chosen to celebrate Jesus' birthday. He wasn't born on December 25th. I, I'm sorry. I'm going to get mad, but this is the truth. He was born. We, we celebrate that because at the advent of the Catholic Church, they had something called the, um, the Council of Nicaea. You got, we know it as the Nicene Creed. At the Nicene Council, the Roman Empire had just basically brought the Catholic Church together and said, we can't differentiate between Roman or we can't differentiate between Christian and Jew because they're exactly the same except they worship a different God. So we really don't know how to divide this. So we have to come together and we have to make a separation. Okay, Christians, you're going to worship on Sunday because that's when Jesus was raised from the dead. Jews, you'll stay worshiping on Saturday. Jews, you're going to stay with your you know, dietary restrictions and all that. Christians, you're not going to. Jews, you're going to do your thing in a synagogue. Christians aren't allowed to meet in a synagogue anymore. they got to do their own thing. This is a way that was done for them to understand the difference between Jew and Christian. But further understand, the Catholic Church was infamous for trying to offset holidays. So, in this particular case, Hanukkah was on the 25th day of Kislev. So when they decided this, they're not very, they weren't very educated in the Hebraic culture. So they decided, okay, so let's make it December 25th, because Hanukkah at that time was in December. And we're going to offset it by saying this we're going to celebrate as the Mass. They don't, this is the irony. The Mass, the Christ Mass, where we get Christmas from, a Mass is a celebration of death, not of life, not of birth. But they called it the Christ Mass because they were Catholic, that's what they wanted to do, and they needed something to offset Hanukkah. What they didn't realize was the Jews follow a lunar calendar, Romans follow a solar calendar, it got all messed up, but they kept it. So when was Jesus born? Again, this is steeped in thousands of years of Mishnah and rabbinic tradition. And this is what was going on. There is only one time a year where a sheep will give birth. Only once. That's it. It's called the lambing period. And we're told about that very simply when it says in verse 8, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, understand something. There's a reason why that happened. Normally, they would put them in a pen and go to sleep. But because the rabbis and the Kohanim, the priesthood, the high priest, declared Bethlehem as the place of the sacrificial lamb, they needed to testify when that lamb was born. It is during this season, the lambing season, that all oh, that's when they're going to give birth. So they are on 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week watch until all the pregnant ewes in their flock 
had given birth. And then they could retire to the stables. Okay? So the lambing period is during Passover. That's why during Passover, the priests go and they begin to inspect the lambs being born. Because now they know he's born, he's going to born in Bethlehem, we're going to live him a whole, he's going to live a whole year, and we're going to come right back to him, and then we're going to bring him, and he's going to be crucified, or he's going to be sacrificed. So the shepherds had to be out in the field because of what? Wolves. Wolves would come, and they were easy pickings. Especially a lamb, a you about to give birth to a baby lamb, it's defenseless. They were defenseless the way it is. They're the only creature on earth that doesn't have claws and has no mechanism of defense. So the shepherd had to be there. That's the clue. So it would happen during Passover. Why not that our great Passover lamb, why wouldn't he be born during Passover? He absolutely would because he was going to fulfill everything. Which is why when John said, behold the Lamb of God, it set all of the rabbi and all the Pharisees. And they, it set them all like, what are you, out of your mind? Do you know what happens? So you have to understand, God just doesn't make things up. Jesus did not come. He was not the first to baptize. He had his own baptism, not of only water, but he got baptized in fire on the Mount of Transfigur Transfiguration. He just didn't make anything up at all. Everything he did was in the Old Testament and was in the writings of the Mishnah, the Talmud, that was set forth by the, 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 the high priests and the, um, the priesthood. So he was born in the spring. Now there's something else that's very important that we have to talk about when we're talking about the shepherds. Why the shepherd? The shepherd is the lowliest of all of the livestock managers at that time anywhere. And if you remember, the last three verses in Genesis talk about Joseph warning the people of Israel. He tells them, do not tell Pharaoh that you are a shepherd. Because if you tell him, you can read it yourself, I'm not made up. You tell Pharaoh that you are a shepherd and the Egyptians are going to look down on you. They're going to treat you like garbage because you are the lowliest of the low. But what happened? 400 years pass. What does it say? They became shepherds of sheep in Goshen. So think about that with me. Moses is told by God on the 10th plague when the death angel is coming through to attack all the Egyptian gods. Right? That's what that was. Take a blemishless land, cut it, and with the hyssop, put the blood over the doorpost. You remember this story, I hope, in Exodus? Okay. What season was it? Passover. He said a blemishless lamb. Why? Because the lambs were just born. So it was very easy for them to go out and say, oh, the shepherd can, I, right away, oh, wait, look, here it is. He's born. There's nothing wrong with him. Bring him over, cut his throat, and let's get the business done. And that's where we got the lambing from. It really started in Exodus. It started there. So because of what do you want to call it, their tradition or not, but it made complete sense. So when the Messiah came, born in Bethlehem, during the Passover, what was the first person he had to be presented by? Like when a lamb is born, who was the first one that had to greet him? The shepherds, right. The shepherds had to. 
because they had to testify the entire life of that lamb that he was blemishless. Does that sound familiar, anybody? Through Messiah's whole thing, there was 12 men that were there to testify about everything he did. Now, why did the angel, the angel of the Lord, come to the shepherds in the field? They were low. Remember, I, I seem to remember my Bible says not despise new beginnings, or humble beginnings, sorry. Do not despise humble beginnings. So the angel shows himself to shepherds, the lowly of the lowly, in a place of Bethlehem, which doesn't make any sense at all. And what did he tell them to do? He said, go find the baby, the Christ. Why? Because shepherds had to be present at the birth of the Passover lamb to testify that that was true and that was the the, 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 the lamb that was going to go to the sacrifice. So if you read the tail end of Luke chapter 2, what did the shepherds do? They went, they found the baby, they rejoiced, and where did they go? They went into Bethlehem and throughout the entire region, spreading the news that the Messiah, the great lamb of God, was born. They were testifying. Why were they testifying? Because throughout your entire Bible, God says in a matter of two or in the mouths of two or three, a matter, not a witness, a matter is established. A matter is established. He mentions it in Torah, which is the first five books. He mentions it in the Nevi'im, which is the books of the prophets. He mentions it in the Ketavim in Psalms, which is the book of the writings. He mentions it in the Gospels, which is the, um, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he mentions it in the epistles five, five times. So now you have Joseph and Mary. Joseph is testifying to the birth of his son as told to him by the angel. Mary is testifying to the birth of her son as told to her by the angel. And now the shepherds come and they're testifying to the birth of the Messiah as told by an angel. Because in the mouths of two or three, a matter is established. That's when you say amen. I'm not telling you to say it now, but when a matter is established in the foundation and principles of Scripture, that deserves an amen. So, now we understand a little bit more because in Psalm 23, right, we know it as the Lord is my, right, I shall not want. He leads me. He guides me. So what is happening in Bethlehem, not only is the Lamb of God being born, but the great shepherd is being born. Luke chapter 1, verse 32, it says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Okay. This has caused a lot of problems in the church because we don't understand Jewish idioms. We don't understand Jewish names. We don't understand Jewish titles. Okay. For example, like, the title, you know, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Son of David, Emmanuel, Prince of Peace. We don't understand them. So it, it becomes confusing. So we know that the Messiah is going to be born in the city of David. And I've already mentioned, well, the city of David was only famous for one thing. And that is, the city of David was famous because it was the birthplace of David. 
Can I ask you a question? When David was born into a family, what was he born into a family that did? They were shepherds. What did they shepherd? Sheep. What region did they shepherd the sheep in? Bethlehem. David died, what? When he died. He was a king. He's the greatest king of Israel, wasn't he? And where did he die? Oh, he died in Jerusalem. So let me get this straight then. The greatest king in Israel was born in Bethlehem, was a shepherd, and then became the greatest king who died in Jerusalem. So what happens in the natural, what happens has to happen in the natural first, but then the spiritual. David was the greatest natural king of kings that Israel ever saw. He was born in Bethlehem as a shepherd. He died as a king in Jerusalem. Now, the Messiah comes. He's the greatest shepherd of all, and he was born in Bethlehem. He's the greatest king of kings of all, of all creation, and he died in Jerusalem. Now, it's going to go one step further. Why is he called the Son of God? Well, I just gave you the explanation, but I'll even go a little bit further. The word for house in Hebrew, okay, um, it goes hand in hand with the word for son in Hebrew, okay? So what was the son's job in the Hebraic culture, in the Jewish culture, through the Old Testament? What was the, son, the job of the son? The job of the son was to build on the house of the father. That was his job to continue his father's work. Why did Jesus leave after, his, after he was um, bar mitzvahed and they went to Jerusalem? He went to Jerusalem for the first time. Why did he leave? Remember, three days later, Jesus was missing. Where is he? What did Jesus, what was his response when they found him in the temple? Thank you. He would be about his father's business. That is the job of the son. Right? Joseph wasn't his carpenter. It wasn't a shepherd. He was a carpenter. Joseph wasn't his father. It was an adoption. His father was the God of heaven, but he was the son of King David. So King David was a shepherd who became a king. So what was his job? I've got to be about my father's business. I've got to learn. I've got to be in the temple. I've got to know the things that he wants me to know. So when I go to take up my throne in all eternity in the kingdom of heaven, I'm going to represent myself through the Davidic bloodline. Because it says, through King David, the Messiah must be born. Because he must be born of the tribe of Judah. Which is why you have the lineage in Matthew, and you have the lineage in Luke. The reason why that's in there, which everybody hates because they don't want to know who begot who begot who begot who, so they skip over it. But the reason it's in there is to testify to you that here's the father's bloodline. Here's the mother's bloodline. And the Holy Spirit came down with the shepherds to say, this is the king. Because for him to be of the house of David, he had to be born of the bloodline of David. That would make him a son. But the natural had to come before the spiritual. I'm going to end this in a traditional Hebraic blessing. And I'm going to sing it in Hebrew. Okay? Yeborehe Adonai, Baish Marecha, Ya Adonai Pona Veleha, 
Vehuneha Yisaha Adonai Pana Vehileha Yasehem Leha Shahalom You've been listening to Pastor Billy Elias. Pastor Billy is the founder and pastor of Elon Restoration Fellowship in Toms River, New Jersey. Join us again as Pastor Billy bridges the gap between the Old and New Covenants. And as always, may the Lord bless you with peace.